Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is here. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning, Wisconsin. Yes. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. Robert is celebrating a birthday this week, so everybody send Robert your uh, birthday week well wishes. So with that, we are going to jump into the podcast. So what a week. What a week. Robert, you've been gone. Uh, but uh, things uh, continue to be always interesting in the state, but we are going to focus on national topic, and that is Donald Trump. Um, we've talked extensively on this podcast about dog whistle politics of the Republican Party and how um, this year that has come home to roost with the candidacy of Donald Trump. And last week, uh, Trump announced his idea that all Muslims ought to be uh, banned from entry into the country, and obviously... Uh, this has caused a major uproar both uh, within and with uh, outside of the Republican Party. Uh, we have widespread uh, Republican leaders condemning or speaking out against it. Yet, we find in a poll that came out yesterday, Wednesday, there's still widespread support amongst Republican Party primary voters. Um, nearly two-thirds of them support the policy and over half of them strongly support it. In fact, a large number of them actually believe it makes Trump more likely to be a candidate that they would support. Robert, I'm going to go to you first because I know you've talked extensively about this dog whistle politics that's been going on. And, you know, the whistle's gone. It's just uh, we're out in the open now. And uh, it, uh, it looks like the GOP is now the party of Trump, Robert. Well, right. This is a human whistle, not a dog whistle. <laughs> yeah. Um, this goes way beyond Trump. So this is what 30-year right-wing conspiracy has wrought. They have capitalized on fear. They have promoted division. They used 911 to try to consolidate power and recreate kind of a, a Cold War kind of paranoia. Um, it, it depends upon xenophobia. Now, George um, uh, w. Bush actually was good himself in claiming that it was not a war against all Muslims, but he was saying that in part because his constituency did not see it that way. And so the Republican establishment and the right-wing movement, they created Donald Trump, and they created this electorate. Now, having said that, so this is a very dangerous moment. The question has been, since in Republican politics, going further right has always been good. And the question is, and Trump has been, and others like Cruz and Carson have tested what the limits are. And we've always assumed there's some limit. You know, is there a limit between the far right and fascism where the constituency won't go? And it seems, at least in this polling, that even this, even like a religious test for entry into the United States, which would, have, would make the Founding Fathers turn in their graves, oh. is not too far. So that's the scary part. And that does say that, this, that there's nothing to stop us as far as the right goes and the right-wing voters who decide primaries from going all the way to further and further towards the 1930s. Now, the question, though, is uh, will this actually uh, play out this way long term? And I think I want to say that this electorate that's been created is extremely scary. It's, it's actually a threat to world peace um, and to everything that, uh, that and, and fundamental American values and values of human rights uh, and, and general empathy and brotherly love, etc. But 
when you have a situation where the opinion elite are universally against something like this, that tends to turn public opinion over time, especially when you're talking about deciding who you're going to vote for president. So I'm, I think it's, that this is still scary, but it still may be that this is the end of Trump in ter uh, ultimately when it comes to actual voting. Even if he wins some primary states, this may be the end of Trump as a, vi as a val viable candidate. And the reason is because there's virtually no one in the establishment in either party defending him and everyone attacking him. So, Jorna, is this the end of Trump? I, no, it's never the end of Trump. He's like, you know, that he, he's like something that just keeps coming. Energizer Biden. Something. I don't know. I mean, so my my theory is that Trump is actually just um, trolling this GOP field. <laughs> I mean, this can't be real. People that are potentially going to be elected the next president of the United States. This cannot be real, you know, but it is so incredibly frightening as I watch my Facebook feed and, you know, friends who are not political asking the question, you know, are there any of you out there that actually support Trump for president? And you know what the answer is? This obviously resounding yes. And well, you know, he tells it like it is. And at least he's being honest and on and on. I don't know. I think we're all getting rickrolled and, you know, but Trump is never going to give us up. He just isn't. The question is, I mean, Gingrich won primaries, right? Um, Santorum won primaries. So I'm not saying Trump goes away. I'm saying, can Trump actually be nominated after this is the question. And I'm, I'm, uh, and this is the question of whether, you know, how optimistic you are. If you think we're going towards the 1930s and there's a Trump nomination and, and it's literally a proto-fascist movement. Uh, I know that that sounds like hyperbole and people will think, oh, yeah. it's just the liberal saying these things. No, no, no. If you go to political science definitions, Yes. This is this is at least this is getting very close to the line of fascism, if not actual fascism. So it's at least proto-fascism. And, and it's not just liberal Robert Craig over here yeah. saying that it is. I mean, scholars from all walks of life are calling this fascism. So this is not. Uh, look, I also I think it will be interesting to see if Trump decides to run make a run as an independent. We know that he can afford to. So does he not like who gets the GOP nomination and then say, well, screw it. I'm just going to mess with this electorate anyway. And I, I think that's a uh, very real I'm scenario. really glad you brought that up because he's clearly shown he's got a base, right? We, it's part, part of why I wa wanted to bring this up. The dog whistle stuff, right? Those Man, folks are there. Whistles, right? Yeah. The human whistle human now. Whistle. You can right? hear it. The Trump whistle. Um, but, I mean, these numbers are very real. And it's, sh it's stunning to me that they're solidifying behind it, right? Like, Robert, I, I hear what you're saying. I it, It'll be interesting to watch over the next week to see if this leadership opinion starts to move some of this herd um, against Trump. But, you know, the first 48 hours, whatever, 72-hour cycle, I mean, he seems to be benefiting from it. And it, it's very disturbing that 51% of Republican primary so, voters believe strongly in his let's, position. Let's review what the policies are here. Okay, we're going to have a religious test for entrance into Excellent. the country uh, for a religion that is over a billion people. Second largest religion yes. in the world. And then we're also, remember, not forget, we're going to be removing... 11 million people from the country, so it takes our yeah, Indian yeah. removal policies, and they're on steroids because it involves more people. Uh, so imagine, I mean, 
you know, these are the building blocks for this. And then I, what, what our foreign policy is going to be, it appears that we're going to be, uh, to take a, take a term from Ted Cruz, we're going to make the desert glow in Syria. So, I, I mean, it is stunning what we're talking about here. And the question is, you know, people, at some point, partisan Republicans come pragmatic and start to worry particularly with all of their opinion leaders decrying this, whether this means that they can't beat Hillary. You see what I mean? So right now, I'm for Trump, I'm for Trump, I'm for Trump. But it's scary that they're for Trump. So I'm not trying to diminish that at all. And it might well be, if, if Trump is going to be the, the Republican nominee, then this is very dangerous. Uh, one other comparison, by the way. In Canada, I think people are aware that the, the, the liberal Democrat, which is really the centrist party in Canada, uh, won. Uh, Justin Trudeau, and it was, and he won partly on the uh, sitting prime minister, the conservative um, act, um, Harper, actually trying to prevent a woman from uh, taking the oath of citizenship in the uh, traditional uh, uh, head coverings, uh, hijab. I think I don't, I don't want to butcher it; it would be culturally insensitive. I probably mispronounced it, but anyway. Um, the Canadian public was actually for women not doing that. They didn't like the idea of someone being having a, a religious uh, pose like that when taking the oath of citizenship. But they still held against Harper the idea that government would step in. So in a weird sort of way, the polling didn't seem to reflect it would hurt Harper, but it damaged him greatly. So it, it's that question, kind of question as well. This could be popular, but it still could harm Trump's presidential aspirations. Thank God we have a wall between us and Canada. Oh, wait. That was, <laughs> that was our wonderful governor. I get so confused with our right-wing crazies. We'll, we'll continue to monitor and watch this. It's, it's incredibly scary, um, although I must say it's in some ways useful because we've been sort of the, – the dog whistle's gone, as Robert said. It's a human whistle now, and we can actually confront this in a way that um, I think uh, everyone had been sort of tiptoeing around throughout this entire – primary and it can't be tiptoed around anymore and they got to take on what clearly is a a majority well, within their base and they've got a be, shit ton of work to do to be clear we don't capture religious identity uh in our immigration system so even how we ascertain this just to bring up practicality he did make one concession which is very unusual for mr trump since he makes no concessions to facts or anything like that uh what was brought up what about our muslim troops who are in the u.s army navy marines like fighting fighting in the middle east oh he'd make an exception for them oh well, there, you there go. was a there was a minor concession from the donald i got nothing <laughs> <laughs> i just can't with people so we are going to shift back to Wisconsin focus here. We're gonna, I yeah. love Wisconsin. Because oh, it is so good here, right? It is. Walker, our, our governor, uh, spoke before the Wisconsin Manufacturers Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday and hinted that he's going to be running for re-election. Jorna, I know you're excited. You Super excited. Nothing gets you excited like the thought of another statewide election with Scott Walker. <laughs> Because we we as Democrats, me being a Democrat, have really, we've proven we can take him on time and time again. We're so good at it. Um, look, I think it's a, I, I, I don't know that I believe at the end of the day that he hasn't been dinged up enough by, you know, the national spotlight and his very short, ill-fated run for the presidency. I mean, what a joke that turned out to be. And I also think that there have been 
some dings, some pretty serious dings with him in Wisconsin with sort of this whole anti-access to government and secrecy around the proceedings of government that he and his cohorts have have moved forward through the legislature without really focusing on job creation, even though somehow they pretend that's actually focusing on job creation. You've got WEDEC and you've got all these other things. So He you know, stands in factories and has pictures of himself taken. You what know, are you saying, Sometimes Jonah? so do I. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Selfies. You need, somebody get Scott Walker a selfie stick for Christmas. That'd be sure. great. Um, so I actually don't think, I think he has to hint until they have a front runner coming out that you know they think is electable. And I don't know that they have that right now, but my money at this moment is on Scott Walker not running for re-election. And you referenced there uh, some new news this week about potential open meetings violations uh, with the new public records board that Governor Walker created to try and make decisions about open government and transparency. <laughs> Let's have a secret I committee. Know, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. And, and just a reminder, yes. the day after... They changed this law in secret was when Walker refused to release uh, texts or information related to the Weed Act and, and the $500,000 that went to a Milwaukee firm that was politically connected to him. So I'm sure the texts are very innocent. That's why they <laughs> withheld them. Uh, so here's the thing. Jordan, as a, as a strategist, is absolutely right. Walker has to say he's running or hint at it either way. So, we, so there's no actual news, right? Uh, if, he, if he was to become a lame duck right now, it would be damaging, even if he planned to leave. Uh, the thing about this is, I mean, the way I see it is, it seems like he's created such a fiscal hole that it's really hard for him to present a budget in 2017, which he has to do before he runs for re-election in 2018. And so unless he's going to do something dramatic, and it just like the Donald, I mean, he was wrong on something, and say, take the Badger Care money, uh, and maybe roll back the ridiculous manufacturer agriculture tax credit that allows you to do anything, including outsource. Uh, in other words, Oscar Meyer will get the credit. That would be Kraft Heinz for moving the jobs out of Wisconsin. Uh, unless he moves those, those are huge financial issues. It's half a billion dollars for the man, man ag, as it's called, tax credit. Uh, unless he makes those changes, which he's not shown the constitutional constitution to admit wrong or to make pragmatic ad adjustments, then it's going to be really hard. But who knows? The question is, how much does he love power versus how much does he love claiming to always be right? And so, and what is, what is the pathway? I mean, where does he go from here? Obviously, he wants to see if a Republican wins the presidency because then he can get a nice landing pad because his real goal is the next thing, which is to run for president. And if not that, get as high as possible. Uh, so it, I think that'll, that'll be part of it. Um, as far as us... Right, and whether we want him to leave or not, right? He's a very skilled politician. Um, I don't really care. Or some people would probably want him beaten personally and to lose an election. It's a kind of revenge we could thing. Name them. I don't care. I just want his policies and his issues and his assistant actions positions out of there. And if it, if it if it's by him losing re-election, great. If it's by him uh, leaving and Rebecca Clayfish uh, governing, which will be a, a great uh, great boon to the podcast, uh, and then her losing re-election, then uh, then then that's fine too. As long as we replace them with people who actually are going to work for the for the people of this state and build prosperity here again. The Clayfish Files. That could be our new <laughs> podcast. I, I, I'm sure the thought of Rebecca 
being in that position For to run, real. yeah, has them a little scared on the other side. Can they make her resign <laughs> at the same time? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it actually reminds me a little bit of when Scott McCallum became governor by default. Um, not quite as bad, but nobody really knew who he was or what he stood for or anything around you that. You see, Scott McCallum was Dan Quayle. Right. And Rebecca Clayfish no is Sarah Palin, She's who is like really much more comical than Dan Quayle. I don't know. A friend of mine actually has a crush on Rebecca Clayfish, who oh. is a Democrat. Oh, I'm I not going to I'm not going to call him out. I thought you were going to say Dan Quayle, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So potato, with that, I, I, I want to actually go back to this uh, open records transparency because I, I think I think this story that broke is really important and um, a number of papers have editorialized. In particular, Beloit uh, Daily News specifically said that underlying all of this stuff is is a basic question of whether our officials are willing to abide by the law, right, or whether they're going to constantly try to subvert it, right? <laughs> like, I mean... It's, it's a legitimate problem, right? It gets back to lawlessness, right? There's a general lawlessness that appears to be acceptable. And I think this is important because it's not, again, we've talked about this before. This isn't a traditional ideological issue of left versus right. And I think they need to be pounded on this. And I think it's important that we continue to stay on this topic because it, it, it speaks to something that I think people can get that isn't about, you know, supporting public education or, you know, should we expand Medicaid, right, and other things. It's about basic transparency, accountability. Are we going to follow the law, Jordan? I mean, look, they have proven time and again that they're not going to follow the law. And that's been happening since Walker took office on countless issues. So, you know, this... I think this comes as no surprise in many ways. Yeah, I, I don't see it as a surprise. I think it's important, though, that we keep talking yes. about it and that we don't let this go away. I... My concern is this story, right, because we had the big, the big one in uh, around Independence Day. This one seems smaller. We need to make sure that people are aware of this. I, I, and I just think it's, it's critical that this kind of sort of not really wanting to, quote, follow the law or do any kind of openness or transparency not ever go away from being the sure. defining thing about these folks and what they're I, about. I agree, and I think that one of the perfect examples that – you know, everyday average citizens can really point to is the inability for them to access open records from their own legislative offices yeah. when requested, or it comes at such a, you know, slow walk or a high expense for the time that it took. You know, they're just making it impossible anyway. And there should be public outcry. If you don't know what your representatives are doing, that's really screwed up. Yeah. And you're forgetting the, 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 the genius of the scheme they've created. Okay. So, if we go back to the election deforms, right, and the ethics law deforms, the NA is to gut the laws, but then just in case to be safe, make sure there's no watchdog get, that could enforce laws if anyone interpreted the laws to exist. So this will all go to the new ethics uh, board they're creating outside of GAB, which will be toothless and will not be able to enforce the laws that uh, they're gutting anyway, right? So you have that. And then, by the way, if all else fails, make sure we have a state Supreme Court that's not capable of independent jur uh, jurisprudence, and it's just right-wing ideologues. And then make sure the AG, the Attorney General, is also someone who won't enforce the law. So you can see there are so many steps to them actually ever being held accountable for anything uh, that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a brilliant scheme. As you say, there ought to be a law, Robert. It reminds me of my favorite Schoolhouse Rock cartoon <laughs> where the bill goes through Capitol Hill. I think there I'm should just be. A bill right. On it's the best Hill. one. 
And I think there should be a schoolhouse rock of, you know, how to get, how to hold Republican legislators accountable for democracy. And Matt got to the question of, you know, openness, uh, the public records, you know, editorial boards are all over this because editorial boards and journalists depend upon openness. They're not nearly as good on a lot of other issues. So it's wonderful how they jump to uh, to the (laughs) forefront on this. It's sort of like on the Trump thing, and with the the, the the media establishment is now wringing their hands saying, oh, my God, people believe this stuff, whereas before they were just reporting it as, he said, she said, this side said, on the other hand, now, oh, my God, they're serious. We have a public that wants to do this. And so the problem is with conservatives, and we need to convey this much more effectively and repeatedly in an aligned way, is they don't actually believe in small-D democracy, okay? That is to say, they don't give a damn what the people actually think. They're about power, and they're about finding the levers to get the public to support what they want and put them in power. Then they're about doing what they want to do. And so that's the problem here, that they don't actually give a damn what the public thinks, except to the extent it influences their power. And so what do you do? You use fear tactics, you use divisiveness, you use dog whistle and man whistle now, human whistle politics. Trump whistle. Man whistle politics. Right. And then you do that, and then once you have power and you think something might be damaging with your popular standing, you keep it a secret. And so these are the ultimate princes of darkness. We're kind of like cats. This is like laser pointer <laughs> politics. And, you know, we're the cats and Republicans have these red laser pointers. And we're like, over here. No, over here. Laser cats. <laughs> so the, cl- the classic, by the way, if you really trap them on this, you can see their, their, le- their less leading lights nationally, whether when they ever come on a, any, any show where they actually get asked a question. The, the quick bad pivot to change the subject. So you, if you so you can imagine, what about the open meetings laws and how you're acting in secret? Ah, uh, what about the Muslims? The Muslims are coming, right? <laughs> That's sort of the pivot. <laughs> so, Robert, back to a um, little bit back uh, to Governor Walker potentially running again. You mentioned the budget, and so related to the budget, it's a possible fix. That's Badger Care. We've talked about this in the past. You've editorialized and and spoken a lot about you believe that eventually he would take it because of the budget correct so otherwise so to that end we've got this badger care problem and it is worth noting this week that south dakota republican governor very conservative republican governor very lefty place (laughs) yeah has announced in his budget that he is working uh with the federal government to accept the Medicaid money. So yet another Republican state. Kansas is also, there's some pushing going on there in other areas. Walker, I mean, may, the Badger Care money, right? That seems like something that could be a, a way that he could maybe address part of the budget crisis and be a part of a, uh, a potential setting up for a reelect. Well, I'm curious if you think that South Dakota or anything like this oh starts yeah. to change that. Well, you've got a lot of Republican governors who have taken it. Uh, so there's there's places for him to claim he didn't change his position. They're taking it through waivers, which means that they're saying to the federal government, what if we do it this way, da-da-da-da. So Walker could put in a waiver that has all sorts of Walker ideas in it and then claim he didn't. he's not really changing his position, that they, the feds have changed their position. He could put poison pills in like his favorite, you have to work. And then the federal government will deny that part of the waiver, but then it's their fault. But he was for responsibility. Uh, so there are all sorts of ways for him to work this. Um, 
but this shows the power of ideology, and it also had to do with him running for president, obviously, which he's not doing right now. Uh, most analysts, uh, after the Supreme Court created this loophole that states could opt out, actually believed that almost all states would take the money because the financial deal is too good. And uh, they were proven wrong by, by, by underestimating the power of ideology and partisan right-wing politics. Yeah, the South Dakota governor has pointed out that this is going to cost them nothing, right? So in... in Actually, He's with you, the terrorists. Yeah, if you read or listen to his comments, uh, it is the blueprint for where Walker could go, and, and it sounds like something you could hear coming out of Walker's mouth. So that's worth pointing out. Yet another state looks like taking the Medicare Medicaid money, so we need to keep that pressure up uh, on our legislators and governor to accept that money. Jorna. Matt. Paul Ryan Watch. Paul Ryan, Ryan Watch. Watch. Ryan Watch! Ryan Watch! What's happening in Paul Ryan World this week? I don't really care what's happening in Paul Ryan World other than the fact that it has been proven on Speaker Ryan's Instagram account that he is indeed the first speaker to sport a beard in about 100 years. No whiskers yet, though, and long sideburn, fuzzy sideburns. I'm just saying that if you all want to have some fun, you should check out Speaker Ryan's uh, Instagram account, where I do believe I'm no expert on emoticons and hip coolness and, you know, being um, forward-thinking in pop culture, but I do believe he is also using the emoticon for 100 wrong in oh. his... Uh, Instagram account, but there is a great New York Post article that also has a bunch of tweets about this um, and about his beard. And uh, my my particular one favorite is I would never vote for Paul Ryan for any public office, but I would vote for his beard for every public office. And there you have I, it. I mean, but let's be honest. What is this, right? It's Paul Ryan trying to appeal to a younger crowd, trying to honestly, I think, revamp the image of what a stodgy old, you know white dude, Republican, conservative white dude is, and he's trying to be, like, cool and hipster, and, like, I'm down, and I'm a cool speaker. He's like, you know, the mom in Mean Girls, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. He's Movember gone wild, I just say. I mean, Carrying it on into December. It's sort of like that guy in Madison you meet with a ponytail or turns out to be a right wigger, you're like, what's going on? But, but again, <laughs> you know, we, we joke about this, right, and I, and I bring this up, but it is also a brilliant strategy if they are being tactical about this, which let's be clear, they are tactical about everything. It's smart. So before we move to our weekend furloughs, we want to talk about the fact that our annual meeting is, well, you listen to this mostly on Friday. It's Friday today. And we are recognizing some of our activists and people who have done a lot with Citizen Action this year. And I want to mention three people. Uh, two are, one is Marlene Ott and the other is Martha Pincus. They are receiving awards for being instrumental in helping build and found the organizing cooperative at Citizen Action. And we've talked about that in the past. And if you want more information, I encourage you to check out our organizing cooperative. But both of them are longtime Citizen Action activists and have done significant things over the year. Martha Pincus in particular is on our C3 board. Um, and so we're really excited to be honoring both of them for helping build that cooperative and really build Citizen and Action this year. the Dr. Farley Correct. Progressive Leadership Award named after the, the doctors Farley, Gene, and Linda. Uh, 
who uh, were the main advocates for single payer and uh, guaranteed health care for years in Wisconsin, decades. And uh, Gene was on our board for, for many years. So it's named after them. And they've created a Farley Center. So their work yep. uh, to bring peace and uh, economic and health care quality goes on. But uh, the award is named after them. And this is the second year we look forward to offer, uh, awarding that that uh, every year. And the third award, or the other award I want to talk about, is our Citizen Action 2015 Progressive Activist of the Year Award. And that was an award that was given out first by nominations. People had to nominate somebody who they felt deserved this. And then there was a online voting contest. And the winner of that is Jackie Cody from Rhinelander. And so congratulations, congratulations. to Jackie. Um, obviously, you are much appreciated by progressives around the state. Um, so we uh, want to, with that, also, hey, before before we get to the furlough, Robert, we want to talk a little bit about it's end of the year time, and it's a great time to make a donation to Citizen Action. And so, Robert, why don't you tell people a little bit more about what we're thinking here? Well, I just noticed that public radio, which we like, Wisconsin Public Radio in particular, that they're spending a lot of time with end-of-the-year donation requests, people who want the tax deduction at the end of the year. We will not take over the podcast. We won't have this back and forth on what it means to you or how much it's worth to you. Soft-talking soft talking about but the But we'll just say that Brian will provide a link to our charitable arm, Cis National Wisconsin Education Fund, and if you are making end-of-the-year donations, please consider us. Yep, and when you do that, when you make the donation, if you go online, please put a little note in there that you're a podcast listener. We do like to know uh, that podcast listeners are hearing and and, and the people donations. like us. Oh, we really like nice things said about and us. I'm not proposing you shop at Amazon. It's not the highest, you know, highest road uh, employer. Uh, but if you happen to shop at Amazon anyway, if you register at Smile Amazon and make Cis National Wisconsin Education Fund your charity, then a small portion, and I mean pretty small, but a small portion of your Christmas gifts will also come back to, to us. And on that note, if you are a community shares of Milwaukee, of Milwaukee donor, we are on there. Please look us up and uh, you can make your contributions to Citizen Action. As the interim director of Community Shares of Greater Milwaukee, I second that motion. Very so this good. should be at your workplace. Like forms workplace? would come around a couple times yep. a year, Jorna, where you have an you option. You can give yeah. anytime. Okay. <laughs> so of course, want to encourage folks to give. It's that time of year. So again, want to remind folks, if you do listen to this on uh, Friday, our annual meeting is Friday afternoon starting at 2.30 in Milwaukee at the Labor Council building, which is 633 South Holly Road. Uh, I think most progressive activists in the state are familiar with that building, but we'll be in the assembly hall from 2.30 to about 4. Uh, feel free to come on by for that. So with that, Jorno, what's going on this weekend? Well, I'm kicking off my weekend tonight. I have two nights of uh, great live music at the rave. <sighs> I will be seeing ex-ambassadors, glass animals of monsters and men, Cold War kids, and then I'll be spending the remainder of my weekend with everybody's favorite horses. George. And? There is no other horse. There's Reno. Reno is not, <laughs> does not, does not get so any So music love. and horses, my life. So that's interesting. I'm actually going tonight to see a band myself. I'm going, taking my son Thursday night to go see Weezer. That's I will be at. Is that's that where you're going? Show. You didn't mention them. It's Glass Animals, Ex Ambassadors, and Weezer tonight. Okay, she didn't mention Weezer. She she I, left I them didn't. out. I'm just checking just checking I'm with our producer. Yeah, yeah. So Robert, what are you doing this weekend? 
Well, I just got back from a fairly grueling Washington, New York swing. So at this point, I'm looking forward to resting. I won't mention any work deadlines I still have. I'll just say that I'll be resting, resting comfortably. And um, I may have time to drink a beer. I don't know. <laughs> right. Something, uh, something like that. Other than our annual of. meeting is going to be a lot of fun. So that's there kind of a go. furlough. Yes. Oh, there you go. So... I, as I mentioned, will be seeing Weezer this this weekend, and uh, Robert, I too am looking forward to actually getting some sleep. It has been a long week, and last weekend, uh, my son and I went down to Alabama for some racing, so I'm just feeling a little bit burnt out, but definitely uh, into the Christmas season, the holiday season, and... A lot of shopping I'm hoping to get done this weekend. And by the way, it's supposed to be like 50 degrees on Saturday, so get out and enjoy uh, this, uh, I don't know what, what you describe this weather oh, as, uh, global warming weather. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's not. There's no global warming. <laughs> it's Sorry. not good. So you know the research where the child, uh, young children are offered one cookie now or two cookies in 10 minutes if they defer? Well, we're unfortunately getting our one cookie now, warmer <laughs> weather, and it will be bad later. So, and bad for our kids. Whatever. I'm a denier. <laughs> so with uh, that. What does Trump say about this? <laughs> and uh, on that note, we are going to end this week of the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. We want to thank Brian Woldridge, our producer, who makes this happen every week. Thank you, Brian. We'll see y'all next week.